Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. All right, let's bring in Alyssa Freeman, public relations consultant, Alyssa PR. Talk about everything from elections to 9-11 to uh, a new article in the Globe and Mail, which uh, talks about the RCMP have been investigating uh, the Prime Minister's office in regard to obstruction of justice in the SNC-Lavalin case. Alyssa Freeman is with us now. Alyssa, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. Thank you, Scott. Uh, your thoughts on the opening salvos from uh, all three, four major political party leaders uh, this morning. Your thoughts on this finally getting underway. Although, is really anything different between yesterday and today? It all seems the same. No, it just means it's official. And so you'll yeah. start, you know, you've seen all sort of the nicey-nicey motherhood ads. And I think now what you're going to see is more of the attack ads. And I do firmly believe that this campaign is going to, for those who have the uh, firepower, i.e. the money, is uh, going to obviously take over the airwaves, but I think it's going to get down and dirty. Uh, This is all happening on the day that uh, uh, Robert Fife has an article in the Globe and Mail. The RCMP uh, have been investigating. Uh, He has confirmed the RCMP have investigating the uh, obstruction of justice charges against against the Prime Minister's office in regard to the SNC-Lavalin affair. Uh, Your thoughts on this dropping all at the same time? Well, do you think it was a coincidence? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No. Sure. (laughs) Isn't that how it happens? Oh, geez, don't the yes. star, don't the planets correctly align, and this stuff just falls from the sky? Yes, that that's my bright-eyed and bushy-tailed answer. I mean, I, you know, listen, I've been asking reporters uh, all week when they think that the rate is going to drop, and the reason is is that you never want to put out a client's news story the day the rate is going to drop, nor do you want to put out a, a news story on September 11th, quite frankly. So, number one, the writ drops, and they do it on September 11th, which was interesting timing. I think that they were just running out of time because you need, I think, at least six weeks before uh, an election is officially called. And the quicker the election, the less that, you know, the less abuse that uh, Mm -hmm. each party leader has to take. So I I found, A, that article very interesting. And also, after Trudeau made his statement, what was the first question? The first question out of the gate was about the uh, about the obstruction of justice, mm-hmm. and Trudeau gave a very short, pat answer. So, in terms of best practices, when you media train your party leader or anybody for that matter, you know the more you say, the more it is going to get you into trouble that reporters can pick and parse apart. His answer was, you know, defending uh, jobs in about ten seconds. It was like it was almost terse. Mm-hmm. So, and and each question thereafter, there were no fluffy lobby questions, and I think that you can expect that that will be what Trudeau is expected to face as he starts campaigning coast to coast. Uh, Can he keep saying uh, that quick 10-second word answer about SNC-Lavalin, I'm not going to apologize for for protecting jobs? I mean, he has to. E- even though even though it involves bribery and corruption, I mean, like, c- c- can't anybody finish that sentence for him? No, I mean, lots of people can finish that sentence for him, and I think that that's that it behooves the party leaders when they're in a format. If Trudeau was there, like for example, a debate where they can finish that sentence for him, he will stick to his messaging. And if there's one thing that he knows how to do well as a former drama teacher. He can memorize his lines and stick to the messaging, because once you start to veer off, Scott, once you start to freelance, which sometimes he is prone to do, but once you veer off of that, you start getting into a big black hole, and it's pretty hard to climb out of it.
What is going to be the issue? What's going to be the what's going to be the the statement, whatever that resonates with people during this election? I mean, uh, so far it's been all climate change. We know that's a top five issue, certainly not a top three. Uh, is it the fact that he isn't as sold? What's going to resonate with with people over this campaign? I have a feeling that if, you know when you come up with an issue, it's really important that everybody understands it, and they don't have to think more than five seconds in order to get it. And that there's one thing that the conservatives have always done well, is that they come up with that one thought that lands into people's heads that as they're walking into the voting booth, which is, I think, when people are going to be deciding with this election, by the way, as they're walking into the voting booth, booth, they're going to think whatever that one thought is. And I think that what they'll probably land on is trustworthiness. Honestly, I, I think that they'll have something to do with that. Um, you know, they can do it and they can parse that in a number of ways, Scott. They can talk about the deal with Omar Cotter. They can talk about his miserable re- uh, record on the international scene. You know, they can t- certainly talk about SNC-Lavalin. And I think that um, we talked about this last week with um, uh, the host, Hassan Minaj, who uh, right. hosts uh, Patriot Act. Patriot Act, yeah. And you saw how he, you know, in a, in a humorous but intellectual way, sort of pulled the curtain and, and looked at a little bit of our dirty laundry, Canada's dirty laundry, which is a lot of Trudeau's dirty laundry. And you saw how he himself reacted to that. Yeah. Well, he may not have liked that interview, and it was a miserable thing for him to, to have done, to have partaken in. But I will say this you can, uh, it, it will set the tenor for the rest of the election. So in other words, the Conservatives and, well, all parties can learn a few things from watching that interview. Well, you can. And, you know, here's where it will either sing or fall apart. And we've seen, you know, lob after lob given to Andrew Scheer you know, throughout, you know, the whole year with everything. And, you know, he comes up and all the cameras are on him and he is just the worst orator ever. Mm. You know, and when you're looking for a little bit of bombast, and it's not like the Conservative Party hasn't had its bombastic uh, politicians, but his, his delivery is just not there. It just does not land. And when he's getting mad, I mean, he sounds like me talking right now. Mm. So, you know, it is going to depend on the party delivery. And so all you have is either A, him, uh, in a debate format, and that's going to be crucial. I know all debates are important, but really, these debates will be especially important. And it will, the advertising is going to have to work extra hard to make up for what Sheer lacks. Uh, how long before there is an issue where everyone says, that's it, that's it? Like, do you think something's going to happen in the next 40 days where it, it will stick? Or are we going to ride this right through to the election with more of the same? It, it, it's amazing, isn't it? You know, we already think that there's been a number of issues that should have stuck. SNC-Lavalin should have stuck. Well, Jody uh, Wilson-Raybould's book dropping uh, just add fuel that, to that that's fire? That's going to be... <laughs> you know, I think that uh, I'm looking at that as a, as a real thorn in Trudeau's side. Um, and she's going to be going coast to coast in addition to um, campaigning in her own riding. And she will have the five, she will be saying the five same messages no matter where she is. You can be, you can be rest assured. Uh, there will be that. There will, and then also you know that Trudeau is only uh, going to appear in a few debates. There's one coming up yep. um, in a couple of days, well, actually tomorrow, and he's not going to be there. Right. And, 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 you know, is that strategic? Is that stupid? 
Well, obviously it's strategic because they know what type of land basing you're going to take. Um, however, in order to sort of keep your head guy out of uh, taking a beating um, over and over and over again, I guess you judiciously decide when and where he is and who he is going to debate. Like, naturally, he'll be at the French language debate because, you know, listen, yeah. those, those are whose jobs he saved, yeah. right? Yeah. And then he'll never apologize for doing that. Mm-hmm. So we'll see which of uh, the English language debates he does participate in. Will Canadians resonate towards Trudeau this time as much as they did last time? It was very much about the sunny ways. We've talked about this before. Uh, this is a much different campaign. It's going to be much more negative, as you pointed out. D- does he sell that well? You know, sometimes he does. I think that, you know, when Trudeau draws his crowds, you know, people who are avid liberals, they, they really do like him. You know, there there is no doubt he has that energy. He has that youthfulness. However, I think Canadians have seen where that's gotten us over, you know, the, his, his tenure as prime minister. And it hasn't been very much. I mean, all, my taxes have gone up, that's for sure. You know, have are we in a, a better, is Canada in a better place than, than it was, you know, four years ago? Mm, maybe, maybe not. But it's interesting what his narrative is. It's, you know, forget about the last four years. Forget about it. We're talking about the next four years, A. And if you really want to talk about the past, if you want to go back to the Harper years, well, this is what's coming up behind me. Yeah. So it's very interesting. Like, that's his narrative. And it's sort of like this scary, scary, do you want to go back to the Harper years? And I'm trying to think, well, gee, what was so scary about the Harper years? Yeah, yeah. And, and, well, and it was the blue sweater, I think it was. It was the beige blue, it was the light blue sweater. People just didn't <laughs> like that. And the fact that he shook his kid's hand. I mean, come on, what kind of square is this? But is that something well, we base our, leader, our leadership decisions on? Come on. I'm, again, I'm convinced Canadians want less showbiz, less, want less Donald Trump, want less uh, Justin Trudeau and more just the average guy that can do the job. I think people are getting tired. I think people are getting tired of the BS. Tired of the showbiz. I mean, it it was fun for the first, what, it's the honeymoon period. Yeah, yeah. It was fun for the first six to 12 months. And now it's like, can we please get down to business? Yeah, I think people people are tired of the flim flam. You know what, honestly, Scott, I don't know if anybody can say no to him in his camp. I I think that they just want to make Justin happy. And I think that, you know, and this happens with a lot of, yeah, politicians with very, very strong personalities and people have to go in there day in and day out. So, you know, when you say no, not everybody likes it. But either you can hear that and take the criticism or you just stop saying no and let, ha- and you know, let be what, you know, case roster up, which I think was the case with this Hassan Minaj uh, debacle. They thought, well, you know, let's go back to the beginning of the, you know, when tr- the Trudeau years when yeah. he was a young, handsome, hip guy, and let's put him on this uh, very yeah. hip program. So, uh, you know, I think it, I think it's a case of nobody wants to say no to the guy. I think that he does look at things from his own moral compass, which may be his downfall, and if he strays off message. And I really think it's up to the other parties and see who lands the strongest in the minds of Canadians. So that messaging is going to be really important. All right. Uh, obviously, uh, the anniversary of 9-11. Does this date still resonate with people? I remember even the first couple of years afterwards, people were even scared of the anniversary itself. H- how has our opinion of this date changed? 
You know, it's interesting. When I was flipping the channels this morning and I thought, oh, I'll put on the Today Show and what they had was the live broadcast of the um, commemorative ceremony where they ring the bell after they read each name. And I watched it for a couple minutes and then I had to turn it off. And, and I, you know, I thought to myself, do I, is this bad? Should I not be watching this? Should I not want to remember it? And Why did you have to turn it off? I just, I didn't want to look at it. I didn't yeah. want to think about it. I didn't yeah. want to... Yeah. I don't want to deal with that type of news at that at that yeah. time of 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 the day. Yeah. I think that people will always always remember September 11th. I think it's obviously closer if you were um, you were in the city or especially if you're an American. Um, I don't think that it's going to be easily erased from history. But like anything, you have to work hard to maintain resonance and to maintain what that meant in American history for those who were most affected by it. How do you explain this to a new generation that, that wasn't here when it happened? It's, you know, it's really interesting, and I think that there's a lot of issues in history that are still working hard to may, you know, be relevant. So you know, we have the Holocaust, uh, which has bred all these Holocaust deniers. Um, and now we talk about September 11th. So it, it's it's about the historical perspective. It's about how um, how they they, they create uh, those memories so they continue to resonate. You know, it's about getting you know school kids to the memorial. It's about um, ensuring that people never forget through uh, various avenues of communication. You, you know, there is a there is a consortium that 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 does uh, work with this, and they have. If you've ever been to New York, you can you know go where nine eleven um, occurred, and there's mm-hmm. the reflecting pools, and then there's the nine eleven museum, and it's extremely powerful. Yeah. But you have to be a open to doing that, and once you're there, you get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You do get it, and I think that. Um, Historically, they have done a very good job in in curating uh, an exhibit and also a place to go where people can reflect and never forget. What have we learned from 9-11? Other than hate and divisiveness, what have we learned? Is that the reason where, why we are where we are today? Wow, that's a loaded question. You know, I think that 9-11 was a a huge moment in time where things that, uh, you know, happened so far away in North America, you know, in, in the Middle East, for example, and it was the first time that it was so close to home. And I think what we learned was, is that we are not maybe as safe as we think we are. We are not impenetrable. Um, and, and I think that that's what we learned. We learned that, even though we go along in our daily lives and we're so lucky to be living in this country in particular, um, there were many lessons. There are many lessons that, you know, horrible things can happen here. There were many lessons of goodness when people reached out and, and, and helped one another. Um, so there's many things that we have learned, and I think that there's many things that we will continue to learn. Obviously, uh, we live in a very divisive society right now. Will it take something, another event like this, to bring us back together? Oh, my gosh. I can't even think about that. Um, I hope not. I hope not. I don't know if it'll take a horrible event. It might take a... Uh, hey, over the power. weekend, over the weekend, it just took Bianca. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, are, are we learning anything from this? 
I would hope so. I don't think that people forget, and I think that people do learn, and I think that people, I don't think they think about it 24-7, but I, I think that, you know, people do want to live in a peaceful world at the end of the day, and I would hope that, you know, goodness uh, rides out over evil, and I think that once we lose that hope, we can never lose that hope. And as long as we work hard towards that, I think that's the type of life that people want to achieve and that people want to endure. Does 9-11 remind us that we have an enemy? Does it just deepen this divisiveness? Well, there's all sorts of divisiveness happening in, in the States right now, and mm-hmm. this is obviously just one of them. And I, and I would have to think that, um, you know, the divisiveness that we're going to see in the coming days is really more between Republicans and Democrats. So, and, and, and then there's also racial divisiveness that's happening in the state. So I would have to say that as far as divisiveness is concerned, that those two issues are more top of mind than the other. All right. Alyssa Freeman has been with us. Alyssa PR, public relations consultant. Alyssa, as always, thanks so much for the time. Much appreciated. Thank you, Scott. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.